Hey everyone, welcome back to the Your Money, Your Life podcast, episode 29. Stop trying to time the market. We got a great show coming up, so if you're listening, five-star rate, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're going to talk about the current events in the news this week. Lots going on. We're going to talk about it. Bull or bear case. We're going to talk about Zoom, Zoom video communications. Also, we have our finance roundtable. We're going to talk about stop trying to time the market, making sure that you're investing correctly. And lastly, no interview this week again. So personal update, personal update this week. Thank you again for listening. Enjoy the show. What's in the news? We have a good week, interesting week of news. So you guys have probably been seeing a lot in the news about the next stimulus package. Backstory, Democrats have pushed for a $3.4 trillion aid package, while Republicans have countered with about a $1 trillion alternative. Um, last Friday, uh, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi said that Republicans had rejected an offer to split the difference. So uh, there is a you know, back and forth between Republicans and Democrats uh, where they want on a lot of different points on the next stimulus package. So before that gets you know, actually passed, we need them to come to agreement on what exactly are the finer points in it, the details, so that you know this aid can come out to the people that most need it. Obviously, saw the administration signed an executive order to push um, some of the items through to extend some items, whether it be unemployment relief for people, uh, disaster relief, and, and different things. But the the story still remains that this next aid package needs to go out, and it's going to be hopefully settled uh, by you know our politicians soon. But we will be staying up to that date with that as uh, negotiation negotiations keep happening. Next, I saw an interesting smaller story that Twitter has held talks about a combination with TikTok per the Wall Street Journal. Uh, that would be interesting. I think Twitter had a great video platform in Vine, which is pretty much the first TikTok. Um, there's, and they cut the they cut that server. They pretty much sold off Vine or just discontinued it. Um, I don't actually don't know why, because a lot of people like the Vine platform, but I think it was losing money for them. It was a money loss leader. Um, and now they're in talks to, you know, possibly do a combination with TikTok. There's going to be some company, I believe, some American social media company or tech company that has to buy those those business operations for, for, for TikTok. As you know, the executive order is, you know, mid-September where it will be banned. So, yeah, that's really interesting. I think that's a good play for Twitter. I mean, Twitter's a platform that could use a, a video uh, social media giant like TikTok. Next, let's talk about the airlines. The airlines are showing signs of recovery, uh, it's, it sounds like. So airlines have sh uh, shares soars. Passengers' numbers hit a pandemic high. So sec uh, pandemic high on Sunday, 832,000 passengers passed through U.S. airport checkpoints, the highest since March 18th. While it's a pretty big jump, it's still 70% fewer than passengers the same time last year. There's an October deadline fast approaching where the airlines need to, you know, kind of get back to levels of, you know, some decent 
revenue stream because they're cash strapped and they've warned that in October they're going to have to lay off people if they're not either getting aid, more aid, or they're hitting better revenue numbers. So that's something to watch out for when it comes to the airlines. Let's talk about a lot of people's favorite, very interesting stock, Tesla. Tesla sets a five to one stock split. So basically, stock stock splits are a way for companies to make shares more accessible to retail investors. Tesla's trading at like $1,500 right now or $1,600. So for someone that doesn't have that much cash, they can not even buy a share of Tesla. So stock splits are a way for companies to make shares more accessible. What happens is at the date of record of August 21, all Tesla shareholders will receive four additional shares after the close of trading on August 28th with the stock trading on a split-adjusted basis beginning August 31. So everyone receives the four adjust, uh, four additional shares. The stock then reverts or they, it splits um, and it you know kind of divides to the split-adjusted basis. So it's you know, obviously going to be worth you know whatever that amount comes to at that time, but it allows it to be more accessible because instead of trading at 1,500, it's trading at whatever that amount comes to, 400 or whatever, not, whatever that amount is. Um, and that's a way for, you know, people with less cash to be able to buy into a company if they believe in that company. So that's another interesting, you know, thing to watch out for. And I think it's interesting because stock splits used to be very important, but now you're seeing platforms allow for fractional trading. So if you go on some of these different brokers, you can actually buy fractional shares in a company instead of having to buy the whole share. So you could buy like one fourth of a share of Tesla. Uh, which wasn't possible before, but in the last couple of years, it's become much more popular. So interesting to watch if stock splits still make sense, but it drives the stock price up, as you saw uh, with Tesla and different companies that Apple that you know announced stock splits, their stock price rose on that same day of the announcement. Next, I want to talk about something interesting. Cardi B, if you're a fan of Cardi B and her music, um, I hear it i wouldn't call myself a fan but i think she makes good music she's a good artist um but she's announced that she's going to make an only fans or she already has made an only fans so some people that don't know only only fans is a platform where people called creators can post content whatever that may be sometimes it's risque other times it's not and people are allowed and their fans subscribe to follow their page and see their content. You can only see the content if you're a subscriber and you pay a certain amount per month. So you can pay up to $50 is the highest per month that you can be as a fan to follow your people that you like, the creators that you like. I don't have any fans, but I think it's an interesting business model because I do see a shift from you know celebrities, people with a following, going to these platforms like OnlyFans, Patreon is another one. I mean, if you're a celebrity or someone with a large following, it makes all the sense of the world to monetize from this. There's it's easy way. Your fans or all these people that are, you know, let's call it, for lack of a better word, obsessed with you, they're gonna follow and they're gonna pay to be able to watch, you know, to, to be able to get exclusive content from you. And I think that's the shift that we're gonna see. The next big shift um, is gonna be not it's gonna be a shift away from, you know, these free social media platforms to these pay per subscriber, pay per play, if you want to call it platforms where people are paying to follow the the niche contact that they enjoy. You're gonna see a disintegration of, you know, the big conglomerate places where people get content to just niche places all over the place where people get content, a niche following, more smaller groups of people that just follow who they want and pay for that kind of how you saw the difference in away from cable to you know streaming and all these different streaming platforms you're definitely going to see that 
with social media. That's my prediction. That's my hot take. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed what's in the news this week. Next up, we're going to talk the bull or bear case on Zoom. Bull or bear case, folks. Bull or bear. Zoom video communications. I feel like everyone knows what Zoom is, but if I have to explain it, it's uh, obviously a video teleconferencing software provider. So you're allowed to obviously have video teleconferencing. Uh, The stock is up 250% year to date. It's trading at price to earnings of 12, nearly 1300. That's a very, very uh, stretched valuation that, you know, the market is explaining that they believe in the growth potential. So price to earnings is that a valuation metric. But let's talk about the, you know, bull or bear case on Zoom. Bull case, meaning, again, bull, meaning we believe um, we would buy at the current situation. We believe in the long-term prospects of Zoom. I would say point number one is Zoom, it has become part of those, you know, landscapes where it's the name is synonymous with what the industry is. Like, let's Zoom I believe it's it's shifting towards that. Like, let's do a Zoom or let's do that. You could be using any platform, but you're going to be saying, let's do a Zoom. Similar to like, let's Google something. You could be on Yahoo search or what are the other ones? The Apple Safari search, but you're like, let me Google it. Or if you take an Uber, even if though you're taking Lyft, you just say Uber. That Those synonymous with the industry, that's powerful. And that means you've kind of ga- garnered the market space. You've kind of become the name in that space. And Zoom is, is starting to come into that form. I don't think it's 100% there yet, but it's coming into that form. And if you believe in we're going to be doing more teleconferencing in the future, then that's very powerful. Obviously, it's not a you know a quantitative metric, but it is something that's powerful on a qualitative basis because it speaks to the market share that Zoom has gobbled up and will continue to. And that's next, the growth. It still has room to grow. Earnings projections are strong. Analysts on average expect that revenue will rise to about $930 million for the current fiscal year, up 49% from $623 million a year ago. Fiscal 2022 revenue is seen climbing a further 34% to $1.25 billion. Listen, I think Zoom still has so much room to grow, not only on the consumer basis, um, but also enterprise and business-to-business basis. They're... A lot of, I was watching HBO Hard Knocks yesterday. HBO Hard Knocks is a show where HBO cameras follow an NFL team through the first few you know weeks of training camp. And prior to you know all the players getting on onto back to the training camp, they were all using Zoom to talk to their coaches, their team, to have meetings. And that speaks to the power that Zoom has, where it still has room to grow with all these different enterprises and businesses able to use Zoom. I think there's still so much room to grow there. Uh, they have competitors in, like, obviously, Microsoft Teams, uh, Webinar, and WebEx, uh, which, again, other great platforms. But I feel like Zoom has also been, you know, great at making their platform super easy, which is the next point. E- ease of use. When you're talking about technology, the average person just wants it to be easy to use. They don't like, really don't care about how fast it is, how great the software, the implications, the technicalities. They just really want it to be easy for them to use. And so I think that's what Zoom tapped into is making it easy to use. Like if you're thinking about Boomer, an older person that needs to hop on Zoom, they aren't the best with technology. They need it to be easy to use. And it's great because I use it a lot. Um, I also use you know Google Hangouts, but I use Zoom a lot. And I met with older clients, uh, my 60 year old client, we literally use Zoom and we set up all, you know, this person's accounts, everything. And we were doing it electronically, didn't have to be in person. 
such ease of use. Um, you're talking about other platforms like DocuSign that make signing documents easy. That's the new normal. We're in a new normal place where we have to use technology to get work done and you're going to have to be tapped into tech if you're going to survive in the next 15, 20 years uh, for any business. So uh, definitely a bull case on that. And let's talk about the bear case. Again, we talked about the valuation. Our price, our share price to our net, netted to our earnings is to earnings per share is just stretched. And it's obviously trading out nearly 1300 times, which is just uh, really frothy, really high. The market is just really zealous on, on Zoom. And so does that pull back? Is it too stretched? I don't know. It's trading pretty high. If you're talking about other company valuation metrics, I think Apple's trading at like 40 times, Amazon trading at like 60. So 1,300 times is, is incredibly high. And so that's something to see, but it is a growth stock. So we're going to see. And then also something that they, I think they tightened up on the bear case was security of the platform. People were talking about the security. They were worried about this. Uh, a lot of companies were shying away from using it because they feel like it isn't uh, up to snuff on the security standpoint. But I think they've tried to shore that up. They've brought in, you know, a Facebook, you know, security person high up ranking to to their team. And so hopefully they're sharing that, shoring that up. So that's something to be watch out, watch out for. But you guys tell me what you think. Bull or bear case on Zoom. Send me a message. Let me know which side you're on. Love to hear it. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about the finance roundtable. Stop timing the market. Hey, gather around, gather around. It's time for the finance roundtable. Hopefully I don't sound too preachy, but um, I will a little bit because that's what I'm here to do. We're here to learn, push each other, grow. And uh, today we're talking about timing the market. So general sense, timing the market means when people are trying to decide whether to pull their money in out of stocks or out of securities completely or put their money in completely and they try to time it, meaning, meaning they believe, oh, I think that if someone has money invested, like, oh, I think that something bad's going to happen. I'm going to pull all my money out uh, because I'm worried. Or, you know, hey, I think I believe in something. I'm going to start investing in like five years because I believe that's when it's going to be a good time. But they don't have any money invested right now. The general consensus is, for me, what I believe is you should not start to time the market. It's not sensible. It doesn't make sense. It's not when the numbers show that this does not work. And why the reason why you should not try to time to try to time the market there's a few reasons one it leads to emotional investing right when we're talking about when people manage their own money they do it emotionally not logically not based on the numbers not based on facts they do it emotionally because of they're worried about things that they've worked for their life savings they worked hard understandably and they act on emotion not based on logic or sense and this actually comes from someone that's close to me during the market pullback in late february and march this person messaged me and said hey what should I do? Everything's going on. Are we going to go first? Should I pull everything? I'm like, no, just don't. Just relax. Don't do anything. It'll return. This is that. Those are my exact words. Um, lo and behold, the person still did not listen. It wasn't a client, obviously. <laughs> and the person pulled their money out. Not less than a week or two later, we hit bottom and things already started to rise back up. But it was too late for this person because this person did not miss the, miss the bull run back up because of emotional investing. That's why people aren't equipped to do things on their own. They act irrationally, they act emotionally, 
when it comes to in, investing. And the stock market isn't rational. So if you're like, oh, I believe, I know when this is going to happen, or I know when this is going to happen. Economists and these people, no one, can, no one predicted the pandemic. People can't predict these things. So if you believe that you're the only person in the world that has this crystal ball that can predict when something's going to happen, you're going to be wrong. <laughs> There's really no way you can predict things. So you trying to time the market and pull your money out or put your or start to invest like when you think, oh, I believe it's now's a good time. Best thing to do is just get invested, stop worrying about it. And especially if you're young, there's no reason for you to be trying to time anything when it comes to investing. You just get your money invested, create a balanced portfolio, do your research, work with someone like me that actually knows what they're doing. Uh, so if you're still tempted, there's actually some facts and figures that you can look at. So there was a research research done in 2018 and showed that the average stock investor, 2018 was actually a, a rather, I think, bad year for the market. The average stock investor in 2018 lost 9.42%, according to Dalbar, even though the S&P 500, so the market index, only lost half that amount at 4.38%. So obviously, this average stock investor, again, acting emotionally, not really knowing what they're doing, lost 9.42%. And now, if you need more clues let's take a wider data set from 1996 to 2015 so 1996 to 2015 the s p 500 market index offered an annualized return of 9.85 percent per year so 9.85 percent annualized average return annualized return from 1996 to 2015 but the average investor was only 5.19 percent again people making moves that they're not really equipped to handle and do. That's why they have, on average, four, that's about four to five percentage points less than the market. The reason, again, we've talked about it, human behavior, trying to time the market and and really guess only succeeds when everyone else, people only do this when everyone else is buying and they're selling when everyone else is panicking. So if you're attempting to try to make, you know, People are just like doing things what, what they see in the headlines. So you're really not, you don't have an edge. You're just buying when everybody else is buying and selling there. So you don't have any edge. You're not doing anything that's, you know, going to give you an edge. By contrast, buy and hold investors. So let's talk about this example. Buy and hold investors, which is, you know, I preach to my clients, which we do. You're going to still outperform the average investor handily, even if you just timed, even if you put in your money at the wrong time, put more money, excuse me, at the wrong time. So let's take this example. Consider this fictional person, Amy. Amy invested 50000 in the S&P 500 at the peak of the market just before each of the four worst market crashes of the last 50 years. So this woman, four worst market crashes of the last 50 years. So in 1972, she gets a big check. She's already invested. Let's say that she's not trying to you know, time it. She's already invested, but she puts in 50000 in 1972 just before a 48% crash. Then she gets another big check in 1987. She puts in another 50000 She just buys and holds. She's not trying to time it. She's not trying to move things in and out. Um, investment three, she in, in December 1999, she does another $50,000 after 49, just before a 49% crash. In investment four, she does another 50000 in October 2007 before the 52% crash. Even though she had terrible timing of when she got these checks and she got re she put more money investments, but she didn't panic and sell. She never panicked. She never sold after the crashes. She never tried to time the market with these crashes. And she just reinvested her dividends. By May 2019, her four investments would have grown to $3.9 million. That's not a bad nest egg. And she only invested $200,000. She only did $50,000 every 
four times and she had 3.9 million because she wasn't thinking irrationally. If she would have pulled her money off these crashes, she would have missed the bull run because of, you know, illogical thinking and just not thinking off emotion, not what you should really be doing. It's, it's very simple, folks. There's no reason to try to time, to try to say, oh, I need to pull my money out now or do this. There's no reason. There is no reason. The math doesn't support it. Sound investing doesn't support it. It just doesn't support it if you look at any historical method. So when people try to tell me, oh, I'm going to do this and do that, none of my clients do that. It's just not. It's, we are, we're heavily doing great. Uh, we're invested in things that are going to bode well for this long-term, diverse, and trying to time things and pull money in and out is just uh, more of the amateur way to do that. And again, if you're someone that's like waiting on the sidelines, you have cash built up, and you're like, should I do it? I, I, I liken it to the double Dutch example. You're like, you know, when people are the rope double Dutch and people are just, you know, you're supposed to jump in, you're supposed to jump in. If you're younger, there's nothing to wait for, really. Like if you look at the historical numbers, it bodes well for you the longer you're invested. Um, it's just, it just quite simply, that's just the way if you look at any historical time figure. So there is really nothing, you know, to be, you know, waiting for, especially if you're someone that has your emergency cash, you have up well and above beyond your emergency cash. And you're just, you know, at this point, just sitting on cash, letting inflation eat up on your purchasing power because you're getting 0.001% interest. Makes no sense to me. And I, I hate to be preachy on it, but it just really doesn't make any sense to me when people, you know, are doing that when they say they want more passive income, they want to live a better life. Investing is one of the easiest, low-cost ways to do so. And it's liquid. People understand the liquidity of the stock market. You know, if you have stocks, when you sell it, it settles back into your account at cash in two days. And then you can move back to your bank. If you buy a house, that's not liquid. A house and property is not very liquid. It could take months or years to sell a property. And investing is a much more liquid way to get gain cap appreciation and to gain equity to gain income than buying a property that has very it's that's not very liquid. Uh, so I mean people really have to understand the facts and figures when they, you know, are looking at things like investments. You have to actually have to do a little bit more, you know, sound critical thinking when it comes to these things, folks. But um yeah, that's that's my rant. That's my TED talk. I hope you guys <laughs> um do not hate me for being harsh, but that's just the way we have to do things. But yeah, if people have other things and counterpoints, I'd love to hear it. I I don't think there's any, but I'd love to hear it. Um Please message me. Let me know. But next up, we are going to talk personal life update. What's been going on? We do not have an interview this week, but we'll give an update on personal life. So that's coming up next. Hey, what's up with me this week? Um, it's a slower week. I love it. I love it. I actually had a chance to breathe. A lot of good meetings, a lot of good conversations with newer investors that are letting go of fear. Uh, fear, again, I, I fully admit that I'm someone that has way less fear than like 99% of the population. I, I don't fear much when it comes to taking risks. Uh, so I try to empathize with people that fear a lot, but it's hard because I just don't. <laughs> but um yeah, I, I've had great conversations with people that are you know joining, getting invested. So Shout out to you guys. It's a good thing. And you'll see that. You can continue to see that. Uh, what else is up? i watching new shows. What's, what are the bingeables? What are we binging? Can't really binge it, but HBO, Hard Knocks, if you're into sports, football. Great show. Follows two teams. It's time they're two in the two LA teams. 
following them a few weeks through training camp. I love watching this. I love sports. I played football in college, so it's great to watch. Uh, also, watching sports again. I turned on a basketball game for the first time. I actually got to watch the Lakers play, which it is my team. So I'm a big LeBron fan and hoping they win the championship this year. It's so weird watching. It's like weird, weird feeling to be watching sports. Not in the sense that it's just it's just a weird time in 2020. It's been a weird year, but uh, it's good to watch sports again. I'm back on Trading Nation tomorrow. So the short segments on CNBC Trading Nation. Tune in. There'll be a, probably an online segment, an on-air segment more than likely. It might be online at only, but it could be live as well. But I will post on my social media. So I'll be back on Trading Nation tomorrow, Friday, 8-14. And then next week, Friday, back on Summer School, Advisor Summer School. It's going to be fun uh, next week, Friday. Tune in. Tell your friends. Let's all learn Friday next week, Friday which happens to be the 21st, so August 21st, back on CNBC Advisor Summer School. Uh, So tune in, tell your friends. But again, thank you for listening. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week.